0: Welcome to the second anniversary episode, special, special day here on Outside the Walls. I'm Timothy Putnam and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. I still remember, of course, it's not that long ago. I mean, it's just two years. But I remember when uh, David Niles and Adam Menahan from uh, St. Michael Catholic Radio in Broken Arrow they approached me and they said, "Hey, we're we're we've just now uh, won the FCC lottery, something or other, uh, and we're getting a, a low power uh, Catholic radio station here in Broken Arrow. What do you think about that? We're 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 wanting to do some local content, and you know they." framed it in such a way they trapped me. They trapped me. I'm just going to be honest. They trapped me. They uh, they were talking about the kind of things that they wanted on that station. And I I have opinions about a lot of things. And they knew that because they followed me on Facebook and they interacted with me as I worked there at the Diocese of Tulsa. And uh, and so they, they trapped me into thinking, well, gosh, I could talk for 30 minutes to an hour. Um, both of them had gone through my pre cana class where I, I, over the course of uh, nearly four years, we my wife and I uh, did marriage preparation for about 400 couples and both of them had gone through it on their way into uh, into marital bliss. And so they knew that I could talk. Uh, and so they they threw out this idea and you know I was I was skeptical because I have many children. I have more now than I did then, but I have many children and uh, and I was working at the diocese full- time and uh, this is a labor of love. It didn't pay anything then. It doesn't pay anything now, other than those kind and wonderful people who support the work we do through the Friend of the Show program. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so, yeah, I, I was not really inclined to do this at all. And, uh, and my wife, my wife just had this, this thought that uh, I shouldn't turn it down so quickly. And uh, she seemed to like the idea. And then, unbeknownst to me, they, you know, anytime you start a Catholic apostolate, you have to take it to the ordinary and get it approved. Uh, Ordinary being a fancy term for the guy in charge, which in a given diocese is the bishop. So they took it to the bishop, who happened to be my boss at the time. And they said, we've got this new station. We'd like to be able to call ourselves Catholic. Do you approve of this? And he said, well, tell me a little bit about what you're doing. And they said, hey, we're going to do some local content. Oh, tell me about those shows. And they said, yeah, we've got, you know, Tim Putnam's going to be doing a show. Because for some reason they called me Tim. I don't know. We're going to have to have a talk about that. But they said Tim Putnam's going to have a show. And and Bishop, he lit up and he said, that's a great idea. And so uh, that got back to me. And I, I realized that I had no choice. I had no choice. I was going to have to do a radio show. So I kind of bit the bullet. And uh, I talked through some ideas with some folks about how to do it. And uh, at the time, I was doing... Uh, all the readings from the day, at the time it was Monday, uh, and I was doing uh, a, a reading from church history, and I was doing prayer every week. And that, that was nice and safe because it took up a lot of time, right? I didn't have to uh, uh, be as quick on my feet uh, because there was all this content that I could get through. And it was uh, St. Elizabeth of Hungary, it was the 17th, was my very first uh, episode that aired. And uh, since then, we've done every week. We've just gone every single week. I've not taken a week off. I've not had a vacation. I've not wanted one, uh, because I, I found that I really do enjoy uh, our time together. I enjoy sitting down and talking about the faith. I enjoy getting to to talk with directors of apostolates and priests and religious and, uh, and people who care about the faith, uh, so much so that they Look for practical ways to live it out. Because, you know, faith can be so ambiguous. It can be so pie in the sky and the whole idea of spirituality, quote unquote, without ever entering into the pragmatic realm of how do we practically take these these principles that we believe in our faith and live them out. And so the ability to, to sit week after week and have conversations with people who care so much about the faith— that they not only live it out themselves, but they help other people live it out. I, I, I tell you, I'm going to keep doing this as long as I am able, as long as I have breath, as long as I've got a platform to do it. We're just going to keep doing this uh, because I've had such a blast. Now I hope that that you have enjoyed it as well, uh, and if so, well, you can help us continue for as long as possible uh, by becoming a friend of the show. To do that, you go over to OutsideTheWalls.com. You click up in the menu item where it says Friend of the Show. Read that little thing, click on the link, and for as little as $10 a month, you can become eligible for a whole bunch of extra content. Uh, We have video face-to-face video chats where we get to talk about whatever you want to talk about. We have book giveaways. We have uh, special... exclusive interview content, uh, etc so forth and so on and all that's available for for a minimum of ten dollars a month over in the front of the show now you can you can give more than than ten dollars a month. In fact we had someone just this last week who very generously gave much more than than ten dollars and uh, has has assured that uh, Christmas is going to actually come this year. so that's a thank you out there for that gift. Uh, and so uh, join, become a friend of the show and get all that extra content, help us continue uh, for many, many years to come. But that's not the point of this segment. The point of this segment is talking about my memories uh, in doing this show. You know, the last several weeks have been kind of maybe a little strained. We've had a lot of political talk here. It's been the season. Um, and, and so today, or rather tomorrow, today is the vigil Of Christ the King Sunday. Uh, We talked last week about how it's absolutely true but utterly insufficient to say Christ is King if we don't live that out. And by living that out, I mean that if Christ is King and our allegiance is to Christ, then it has to be to Christ first, right? We had a great conversation uh, last week, and you can catch that over in the archives uh, at OutsideTheWalls.com. But today we're going to talk just a little bit about Christ the King. But it's also here on Christ the King Sunday, the very end of the Year of Mercy. Uh, and so, if there's a holy door in your area, now's the day to do it. This is the last day that the holy doors are going to be open today and tomorrow. And so, go go on a holy door pilgrimage. Maybe uh, find a find a place in your diocese that has that available. Uh, and a holy door pilgrimage is the kind of it's it's the probably the easiest indulgence you'll ever get. You, you walk through a door, you pray for the intentions of the Holy Father, you receive communion, and you, you go to sacramental confession. And that's it. And and it's because of this extraordinary mercy, this extraordinary uh, jubilee of mercy that we're in the middle of, or rather at the end of. And then uh, next week, we're back at Advent. We are awaiting the, the coming of Christ again. And if this political season hasn't done anything for us but to remind us to put our trust in Christ and put, to put our, our our principles and our energies in the in the in the kingdom of God, uh, if that's the only thing it's done, then that's enough, right? To to see that there are no political saviors, uh, there are no platforms of political nature that that we can really wholeheartedly get behind. We. We have to look at these principles of our faith that we profess every week when we go to Mass and say, really, this is what it's all about, uh, to love God and to love neighbor with all of your heart, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so here on Christ the King Sunday, as we, as we come to the end of it, first, we recognize the, the sovereignty of Christ himself as our ruler, right? Right? Not just some ambiguous king out there because, hey, he gets to wear a golden crown, rah, 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 God's on his throne. No, God being on his throne means that we have a supreme ruler uh, whose interests and commands we have to obey primarily. Before our allegiance to any, any government, before any patriotism, our allegiance goes to Christ. That's, that's thing number one. Thing number two that I think this political season has done for us is to make us again uh, really enter into Advent, this realization that all is not right in the world, and, and to long for the redemption of God that comes through the, uh, the manifestation of Christ, that comes through Christ making himself present in the world. So in the Old Testament, we have these people who, they, they looked around, they were captives, they were, uh, whatever else the case may be, they were exiles, they were captives, they were uh, subjugated, and they realized all is not right with the world, and so they cried out to God, and they listened to the prophets, and they cried out to God, and they waited for God to answer, and God answered through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, where God became God with us, Emmanuel, right? God with us. This is coming up next week. We're going to hit it really hard, Uh, but but this is the deal, right? So now we can look around at the world and see that no matter if our preferred candidate got into office or not, uh, all is not right with the world, we can look and we can see the, the, the fallenness of human nature, uh, not only in the political platforms and uh, the halls of power, but also in those people who are supporting uh, the candidates. Because there's a lot of people out there who are not supporting them in the sense of, well, this is what I want to do to bring about the, the best common good and to avoid the greater evil. These are people who are just wholeheartedly subscribing to uh, and seeking the power through political parties of today, through political uh, agents, through elected officials. They're looking for their salvation or their meaning for life or their meaning for the country through fallen men, uh, fallen men and women. And, and seriously, uh, this is going to be a very good advent for me because I'm going to be really trying to, uh, to understand a little bit clearer what it means for all not to be right with the world, what it means for Christ to come and be God with us, and what it means ultimately for Christ to be king. So when we come back, we're going to have a great conversation with, uh, with Father Tony Stevens of the Religious Fathers of Mercy. Uh, heard him just this last week at a, at a talk that he gave and invited him on the show. We're going to talk to him about what it means as we come to the end of the year of mercy Uh, How are we able to to carry that forward into the next year? How do we live in light of God's mercy? Don't go anywhere. Join me over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to outside the walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, here we are at the end of the year. Not only are we at the end of the liturgical year, but we are now, uh, this is the the second anniversary. We've been on the air for two years now. Uh, Every week, without fail, coming to you with the, the best of quality Catholic content. Uh, and so today, we've got a great, a great show for you. We're going to be speaking with Father Tony Stevens. He's a religious father of mercy. You can find out more information about their order over at thefathersofmercy.com. Uh, father, thanks for being on the show today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Tim.
0: So we brought you on because here we are. This is officially the end of the year of mercy. Uh, and so the, for, for for the Church as a whole, but for you, the, the Year of Mercy never ends as a Father of Mercy. Tell us a little bit about uh, what what the Fathers of Mercy are, what your charism is, uh, and how that tied into this year.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the Congregation of the Priests of Mercy is the official title of the order, and so when you see a Father of Mercy's initials behind his name, it says CPM, and that stands for the Congregation of the Priests of Mercy, but more commonly, we are known as the Fathers of Mercy. And our order was founded in 1808 to re-evangelize France after the French Revolution and that mm-hmm. violent time in that country's history. Um, so because of the the turmoil and the violence, there was uh, a great lack of mercy shown uh, Frenchman to Frenchman. Mm-hmm. And our founder, Father Jean-Baptiste Roson, uh, was asked by uh, – kind of uh, ironically – Napoleon's uncle, Cardinal (laughs) Fesch of Lyon, to establish a band of mission preachers. And there were other religious communities founded at that time, but ours happened to be one of them, and we were known as the missionaries of France. And so our early work was in in, uh, France, and we heard confessions and preached missions and just really tried to make that uh, message of mercy really God's love in action. Manifest to people again when, you know, and, and that was 18, 1808 is when our original foundation was, but uh, eight, into the 18 teens, the 1820s, in those years after that, um, they'd really experienced about uh, 15 or 16 years of, of real turbulence and, and godlessness.
0: You know, I love this story because so often we think of mercy as something that the person in power gives to the person who is indebted, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And here you have this story of of your founding that is really mercy coming from the, the oppressed, uh, giving mm-hmm. it to those who were the oppressors, uh, and offering that, in a sense, as a way of redemption for the oppressor.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's, um, it's interesting that the, the, when you look at the, especially in the Old Testament, um, and the, the notion of mercy, and there are several words for mercy in the Old Testament. Um, one of them is uh, rahamin, mm-hmm. and the second one is chesed. Mm-hmm. And there's these, but the, the, they're tied together, they're distinct, but there's still this strong link. Uh, with Rahamin, there's this notion of instinctive attachment, of uh, well, basically from a mother to a child or a paternal instinct, mm-hmm. but there, but that there's a bond of blood there, and there's a tenderness, and it's a, a tenderness and a love that translates into action, and, and so, with uh, you know, as you said, from the oppressor. The oppressor receives from the oppressed that love, but it's they're receiving it precisely because there is this this instinctive love. You know, it's it's not thoughtless, but mm-hmm. it's it's this deep bond there. Um, and when you look then at the at the term chesed, there is um that adds the the dimension of a of it being a conscious decision and this fidelity that is involved there. Uh, despite the offense that might have been committed, there is this uh, filial piety or fraternal piety, if you will, that is uh, – it runs so deep. And so you combine those two together regardless of what has been done to the oppressed because of this overarching love, um, and and, of course, we as Christians, we see this as coming directly from christ's passion, death, and resurrection. We see the whole mystery played out you know every easter season but But every time we go to mass, mm-hmm. um, there is this this mercy that is put into action, this love in action
0: well, and really here we're as we're approaching Advent very quickly, uh, mercy isn't just tied, I think to to Easter, but we see it even in that that very incarnation, the the very act of of stepping down and into our situation uh, is that first step of mercy, and and I think that we can learn from that as uh, we give mercy even by entering into someone else's uh, circumstance, entering into someone else's pain.
1: Undoubtedly, and and that's really what uh, the Holy Father was asking of in this extraordinary jubilee year of mercy, when he, when he issued the document that, that initiated the year, the title of the document was Misericordiae Voltus, The Face of Mercy. And uh, I have the, the, the opening words of the document. Um, Jesus Christ is the face of the Father's mercy. And so there it is. He, he comes in flesh and dwells among us. In, in In the humble and simple way that he did in uh in Bethlehem two thousand years ago, and then that, that you know fast forward down through the generations, God is asking each one of us in some way as members of the mystical body of Christ as members of Christ as it were, by our baptism, and deepened with our confirmation, and just then the the simple daily acts of faith that we make um uh, to get stinky with the sheep like Pope Francis encouraged so many uh, <laughs> clerics to do, but not just clerics, but, but all of us, and to, to know that um, because of the brokenness in the world, uh, we, we need to walk with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, and you, you have to be prudent as mm-hmm. you do that, um, but you, you have to make yourself vulnerable. Because all of us need mercy, and we, we, we recognize this to varying varying degrees. But um, to show mercy is gonna you're, you're going to get messy uh, because people are messy, you know, um, and it, it uh, and you don't do it on your own. You don't show mercy on your own. You're not the only one uh, who's the, who's a missionary of mercy, so to speak. Um, but the, it's it's good when you're you tell God. I'm willing to try to help this person through this situation.
0: You know, I wonder if uh, if that's some of the reason that Pope Francis has been uh, comfortable with the ambiguities, because ambiguities make people ask questions, and, and it mm-hmm. gets them engaged and allows them to, <laughs> to go and sit in front of their priest, whereas if things were just so clear and laid out and there were no room for questions, that person would mm-hmm. potentially never even approach.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that is a, I think that's a fair assessment. And, you know, just in terms of, of people, it, it gives them a little bit of hope and it, it in, incites, as you said, that that questioning and what what does all of this mean? And how how could this mercy how could it be applied to me? Mm-hmm. And I think it gives it does give them a little bit of hope, uh, which we live in a world that is in, in dire need of hope
0: you know and i think that when you're in relationship and this is something i've i've thought a long time that rebuke without relationship breeds rebellion right mm-hmm. but but when someone comes to you and and or or when we are able to enter into someone's pain and and we can end up saying the exact same thing and upholding the truth and yet we do it with our arm around them and not with our finger pointed at them and i think that
1: mm-hmm. that absolutely
0: that that can make all the difference not just uh, from from the the top down, as we look at the way our faith uh, is lived out, but as we look at how we as as faithful interact with the world around us, are are we going to be the person who upholds the truth, like uh, uh, like Aaron and uh, and Joshua held up the arms of Moses, right? They're <laughs> still upholding, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it's right. a supporting upholding, or are we going to be uh, the ones who stand? at a distance and, and proclaim with a bullhorn. And I think, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that that makes the difference between whether truth is given in mercy or whether it's just laid out there. Mm-hmm. It
1: is. I, I, I'm well, very well put, very well put in that. Uh, and, and I can say, you know, as, as one who's heard a few confessions in, in 11 years of priesthood, um, that when you walk with a person a little bit and you do explain and they do trust you, Mm-hmm. Um, the, the 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 penitent gets that sense that you know this isn't just about upholding rules, but this this leads to a deeper reality and a deeper relationship with God. But but in my own life, there there are obstacles, and well, honestly, I'm the one who put them there. Mm-hmm. Or maybe in some cases they weren't you didn't put them there, but due to a series of a series of choices, you end up with roadblocks in that in that rightly ordered relationship with god and it takes time to 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 sort that out and and a good confession obviously the sacrament of mercy can can aid in uh, sorting all of that out on a a supernatural level by what the sacrament does in in the removal of sin but then the um there is the human encounter that goes on in the sacrament as well, uh you know, and if there's some spiritual direction or some even some friendship on a certain level in some cases mm-hmm. um, that the person needs at that point in their life because we know priests are are they, they, they stay busy um, right. and they can't be friends with everyone as as I'm sure as in but there are fathers and it, they try to give what time they can mm-hmm. in uh, in in that walk with people um and it's it's something that that people I know a lot of the faithful. They they appreciate the time that, that a, a priest will give them in the confessional, mm-hmm. um, and and so that that aids them in that. But they, you know, they can't be um, always available all the time uh, to to uh, you know just yeah be, be friends, so to speak. Yeah,
0: we're talking with Father Tony Stevens. Uh, he's a a father of mercy here out of Kentucky. We'll continue this conversation right after the break. Why don't you join me over on Facebook, facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Uh, talk to me about your experience of mercy in this past year, the year of mercy. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad you're here. We're talking today with Father Tony Stevens. He's a a father of mercy. Uh, You can find out more information about their order over at fathersofmercy.com. And so it looks like, Father, according to the website, that y'all have about 22 fathers, uh, at least here in the United States. What's Mm -hmm. the extent of the order?
1: Uh, we're and that might be an old statistic. We actually have about 30 priests okay. now and six uh, men in formation. So we are we are a small community, but uh, with the the work that we do, uh, very very active. We travel all over the United States, and um, if there's a, a young man out there who feels a call to uh, investigate religious life, and the the one emphasis, one of the emphases. I mean, as a priest, he would also probably be an itinerant preacher. And so the travel and mm-hmm. evangelization out on the road would be a, a huge component to what, um, someone would experience as a father of mercy if they feel called to that.
0: Now, as, as you mentioned that the, the order was founded in France, is there still a presence over there?
1: There is not. Um, our, uh, our founder, Father Roson is buried there. Uh, but we were, um, Along with other religious communities in the early 20th century, uh, kicked out of France mm-hmm. when I believe it was a Third Republic took over in the early 1900s, and so um, in their open-mindedness, right. uh, they their brains fell out and they uh, were not so open-minded to religious orders, um, and you know we um, have have prospered particularly in the last 20 25 years here in the United States. Uh, in the post-Vatican two days of the church, our numbers uh, did back off quite a lot, mm-hmm. and we were down to just a few members. And uh, something resurrected. I mean, we've really experienced a renewal since about 1985, 1987, right in there, when uh, our numbers began to increase again.
0: Now, you you mentioned that there's an itinerancy involved in that. Do you live in community the rest of the time?
1: We do. We have a house in South Union, Kentucky, which would be outside of um, Bowling Green, Kentucky, is the nearest mm-hmm. big town, but Auburn is our mailing address. And we, so we have a house there with the Chapel of Divine Mercy, which is a, a very beautiful chapel dedicated to uh, the, uh, the Divine Mercy and the, the image and the, and the message as revealed to St. Faustina Kowalska. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's our community chapel, and people are welcome to come there and pray Uh, Daily Mass at 8 a.m. and Sunday Mass is at 10. Um, We have – that would be our base of operations. But we also staff a a shrine in uh, Champion, Wisconsin, the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. And there are several priests who work there and preach and hear confessions. And we run a parish in Glasgow, Kentucky – as well as uh, priest active and other uh, apostolates, uh, primarily as assistant pastors and in Mm -hmm. uh, in different places.
0: Great. We're talking with Father Tony Stevens of the Fathers of Mercy, and here we are. uh, Tomorrow is Christ the King Sunday, and uh, from there— we enter into the beginning of the brand new year, into the season of Advent. We'll be out of the year of mercy and into something else. But Christ the King Sunday is all about um, recognizing that whatever political powers may flow here in, in the country of our, uh, where we live, wherever that country happens to be, you know, because people live in different governments and the Catholic Church is universal. So, uh, that whatever the political powers may be, that Christ is king and his kingdom is not of this earth, and it requires a certain allegiance and citizenship of us to be a part of that kingdom. And I think that as we're ending the year of mercy, it's important to remember that the character of that kingdom is mercy. Uh, and so, you were taught, we talked earlier that a lot of times we think of mercy as being something that someone in power gives to someone who has no power. Well, I have complete control over you, and I'm going to, uh, to forgive your offense and kindly give you mercy. And yet that's not what the Church says about mercy. She gives us uh, 14 different ways that mercy lives itself out. That are separated between the things that we do physically for a person and their body, and the things that we do spiritually for a person, uh, and their and their and their soul. So, talk to us real briefly. Just kind of lay those out and uh, the the fourteen acts of mercy, and talk about maybe one or two of them uh, that that you think are maybe lacking in our society today.
1: Uh, absolutely, the uh, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Um, not not explicitly found in the scriptures, but certainly um, in different passages you see where Jesus talks about feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty. But the, the corporal works of mercy specifically, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, ransom the, the captive and imprisoned, and to bury the dead. Um, mm-hmm. Seven concrete ways where we can enact mercy, uh, to put God's love in action in some way. Mm-hmm. And and then the spiritual works of mercy, um, to instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, admonish sinners, to bear wrongs patiently, forgive offenses willingly, comfort the afflicted, and to pray for the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I you think, know, in, in living out—yeah, go ahead.
0: I think a lot of times we, we expect that uh, when we when we spout our opinion on social media, that well, I'm instructing the ignorant. That's that's a mercy, uh, but we forget that you actually have to instruct the ignorant in mercy. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and you know, and, and so to do that, and I think this is, and especially in our culture where we we've got a lot of unhappy people, mm-hmm. and it, you know, when you and you mention the media. And it is so me – it can be, not every time, but it can be me-oriented, you know, selfies, wow. uh, spouting my opinion on Twitter, whatever it is. To, to do that a little less and to check the Facebook posts a little less to find less identity in that, but to actually go out then and to physically show some mercy. Everybody has relatives. Sure, probably someone has a relative in a rest home um, someone in a hospital. You look in any parish, uh, most, uh, many parishes, if, um, they've, um, have a, a little section there for those who are sick, you can generally find out, you know, if someone's in a hospital, if, if they'd be open for a visit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I work in the Cincinnati area. There are ample places for, uh, and opportunities to, to work, to volunteer at St. Vincent de Paul, uh, where you, you help collect items to clothe the naked uh you know clothing and and other items or to to shelter the homeless to work at a at a soup kitchen you know that there are some concrete ways in both large and small communities where we can come out of ourselves and come out of our own uh, our own prison in a certain sense that we may have inadvertently unintentionally locked ourselves into
0: let's talk about that out
1: of it through mercy
0: let's talk about that for a moment because um we have this this great technology that's available to us where we can communicate with anyone all over the face of the world. And, and yet mm-hmm. I think it sucks us into this digital or, or um, ethereal realm that is not concrete. Uh, and in doing so, as we're trying to live out the gospel, we can actually, even though we may be saying all the right words, we may be doing exactly the opposite of the gospel because mm-hmm. the gospel itself is incarnate, right? It is face to face. The gospel has flesh on it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's something that can come up and touch you and 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 interact with you. And it seems like we spend so much of our time and so much of our energy trying to remove ourselves from the ability to see someone face to face and and interact with them and touch them, just for the benefit of being able to interact with more. And Christ wasn't necessarily interested in, uh, in going to more, right? He could have, being God, he could have appeared everywhere that he wanted, but he went to a specific place, to a specific people, to a specific time, and, and touched them, like physically touched them and interacted with them. Is there something that we can learn from that? And I think the answer is yes.
1: Oh, of course. Um... You know, and and um, but when you said that, if if you've ever read anything by Dr. Warren Carroll, who is the founder of Christendom College, his his famous five words: "Truth exists, the incarnation happened." You know, there was a I mean, in the physical uh, humanity of the Second Person of the Blessed Trinity, Jesus Christ, true God and true man, he did all of what you just said, but lived in a in a moment in time. And humbled himself in that. And, and so for us, through our relationship with Christ, because we know that all of the other stuff that's going on around us, we can't fix all of the poverty, you know, but we can fix it in our own local area. Or we can, we can and as I say, poverty, either spiritual or corporal, right. but we can only do one thing at a time to live in the present moment mm-hmm. and to not worry about everything else that's going on. Um, and by all means, we need to – there need to be global initiatives. I don't deny that, I, and I don't have the answer to all of it. But I know what God has called me to do today, yeah. and that's where you play it out. And you can have a plan. It's good to have a plan. Mm-hmm. We need to be organized. But sometimes we stifle the gospel by, by, by trying to be too organized. And we, you know, we're going to do all of this and this and this, and we can build up a little bureaucracy around us. And we, at at our local level then, you know, that principle of subsidiarity, you know, dealing with things at the most localized level, Christians putting things into action. That's one of the great calls of the Second Vatican Council. The laity were to grow holy by living out the faith to to put that love in action through the, the works of
0: mercy. Well, Father, that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: God is good. Thanks for having me.
0: We've been talking with Father Tony Stevens of the Fathers of Mercy. If you want to learn more about the Congregation of the Fathers of Mercy, find them at FathersOfMercy.com. We're going to continue just after this break. Uh, Don't go anywhere. In the meantime, join me over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle is at Outside the Walls. Let's keep this conversation going. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, well, have you been with me from the beginning? I'm serious. I want to know. If you've been listening all the way from when we started two years ago, uh, or, you know, not everyone here... uh, lives in Oklahoma, got a lot of people now on the Breadbox Media Network. Uh, maybe you've only been with us since we started with Breadbox back in March, not this past year, but the one before. Uh, if you've been with me from the beginning, I, I want to hear from you on Facebook. Go over to Facebook.com slash step outside the walls. If you're a-, a person who likes um, brevity, go over to Twitter. My handle there is at outside the walls. Uh, and let me know. One, how long you've been listening? Actually, you can do this even if you haven't been there from the beginning. Go and let me know how long you've been listening and what your favorite show has been. I'm really curious. I'd love to know. Uh, I've got a, a, probably a huge list of my favorite shows. Uh, a couple of months ago, I did a blog on my Pathos blog, which you can also get to from going to OutsideTheWalls.com, and uh, I did a, a blog about my my seven favorite shows of a certain type. And so uh, I put those up and. There, there are just so many to choose from about what my favorite shows are. I did uh, The ones that I keep coming back to, uh, Sam Rocha has done a couple with me uh, that I really just keep going back to over and over just because the topics are so um, prescient. So I did one with him on uh, Forming Your Conscience right before the election was going on around August. Uh, great show. I did a show with him probably about a year ago uh, on immigration. Uh, that was a great show. I've done several shows with Joe Heschmeier. Uh He blogs over at the Shameless Popery blog. Uh, it's a blog I frequent. I, I really enjoy his stuff. He's a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Kansas City, Kansas, currently studying at the North American College in Rome. Uh, let's see. I have, I've had uh, Sister Teresa Alethea on here several times. She's the daughter of St. Paul, and she's my, my daughter's godmother, so I've got that connection there. Uh, I've, gosh, I I love the shows I've done with priests. Uh, I've had father, uh, father Jim Sitchko, father, uh, Gary Castle, father Brian Brooks, uh, had a great one with, um, father at the time, father David Condorla right before his ordination to become the Bishop of Tulsa. Uh, I had one with one of his seminarians that was about to be ordained a priest, uh, Deacon Sean O'Brien, and so yeah, I just uh, there are so many shows that I look back on um, that that just r- remain perennial favorites. We we had Jimmy Aiken come on and talk. Uh, gosh. Uh, Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio has been on a couple of times. And so uh, that's one of the reasons I love the archive is because specifically the interview section, it, it just, it, it never goes out of style, right? You want to hear about the link to liturgy guys down in Texas uh, and all their free resources. Well, that, that is still up, right? You can go listen to that episode. So I really do. Um, I have my favorite shows. Uh, seven of those are on the Pathios blog. I'll try to remember to put a link to that on social media for today's show. But I want to know what your favorite show is. So go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls and tell me of the time you've been listening, uh, what has been your favorite episode? Well, it is, as I've said, it's Christ the King tomorrow, Christ the King Sunday. And then the, the following Sunday, we are in Advent. That means that there are only then four Sundays left to Christmas. It is upon us, my dear friends. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's happening. That's that's exciting. Uh, so, but I wanted to read to you, and all of our readings today are going to come from Christ the King Sunday. So we're going to start off uh, with this reading from Church History. It's a a nice little section from Origin, uh, who is a father of the Church, but not a saint. Interestingly enough, we do have some of those who. Uh, They did not persevere until the end in the faith, but the things that they said about the faith are so important uh, that they are uh, fathers and doctors of the church. So here we have, this is from a notebook on prayer by Origen, and talking about what it means for the kingdom of God to come. And so, so he says this, "'The kingdom of God, in the words of our Lord and Savior, does not come for all to see, nor shall they say, "'Behold, here it is, or behold, there it is, "'but the kingdom of God is within us.'" For the word of God is very near, in our mouth and in our heart. Thus it is clear that he who prays for the coming of God's kingdom prays rightly to have it within himself, that there it might grow and bear fruit and become perfect. For God reigns in each of his holy ones. Anyone who is holy obeys the spiritual laws of God, who dwells in him as in a well-ordered city. The Father is present in the perfect soul, and with him Christ reigns, according to the words, we shall come to him and make our home with him. Thus the kingdom of God within us, as we continue to make progress, will reach its highest point when the apostles' words are fulfilled, and Christ, having subjected all his enemies to himself, will hand over his kingdom to God the Father, that God may be all in all. Therefore, let us pray unceasingly, with that disposition of soul, which the word may make divine, saying to our Father who is in heaven, would be your name. Note this, too, about the kingdom of God. It is not a sharing of justice with iniquity, nor a society of light with darkness, nor a meeting of Christ with Belial. The kingdom of God cannot exist alongside the reign of sin. Therefore, if we wish God to reign in us, in no way should sin reign in our mortal body. Rather, we should mortify our members which are upon the earth and bear fruit in the Spirit. There should be in us a kind of spiritual paradise where God may walk and be our sole ruler with his Christ. In us, the Lord will sit at the right hand of that spiritual power which we wish to receive, and he will sit there until all his enemies, who are within us, become his footstool, and every principality, power, and virtue in us is cast out. All this can happen in each one of us, and the last enemy, death, Can be destroyed. Then Christ will say in us, O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? And so, what is corruptible in us must be clothed with holiness and incorruptibility. And what is mortal must be clothed, now that death has been conquered, in the Father's immortality. Then God will reign in us, and we shall enjoy even now the blessings of rebirth and resurrection. That reading comes from a notebook on prayer by Origen. And he brings up something here that I think is very important uh, that, that in my upbringing I did not get, that the resurrection is not something that we get when we die. It's not something that we receive, uh, pie in the sky, I can't wait for heaven. No, the resurrection is a life that we begin to live right now through the graces God gave us on the cross. The sacramental life is resurrected life. The sacramental life is life in the power of the Spirit, and that is what we are given when we make Christ our King. So tomorrow as you go to Mass, ask yourself, and, and don't just ask yourself, spend some time in, in prayer before or after Mass, and say, Christ, how do I make you King in my life? What does that even look like? What what are the things that you want me, the the laws, the rules, the 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 national identity, so to speak, that you want me to uh, appropriate, that you want me to obey, that you want me to follow? And what are the things that I need to, uh, of my own current understanding, that I need to shed in order to assimilate into the kingdom of heaven? Because uh, that's one of the things that we as immigrants, we who are grafted into the kingdom of God, that's something we need to be aware of, that we are uh, not the cultural center we are not the, the cultural arbiters uh, of the kingdom of God. We, we are people who need to assimilate our lives to the, the identity of that kingdom. You know, in Colossians 3, we see uh, Paul say, Put to death in the parts of you that are earthly, immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, that is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath is coming upon the disobedient. But you too once conducted yourselves when you lived in that way. But now... Now that you're grafted in, now that you are immigrants into the kingdom of God, now you must put them away. With all uh, anger, malice, slander, obscene language, take it out of your mouths. Stop lying to one another. And then he goes and he says this, put on, assimilate now, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against the other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Uh, and on all of these, put on love that is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This is what it means to be in the kingdom of God. This is what it means to order our lives according to that kingdom, to live as citizens of that kingdom. Uh, and so here we are. This was not the reading for today, but that's that's one of my favorite all-time passages in Scripture, so y- you got it for free. Uh, as we're approaching Christ the King, we have to remember uh, that Christ requires of us, uh, as we are going to be citizens, He requires of us this pursuit of holiness, this uh, becoming assimilated into the kingdom of God. When that's not quite as as easy uh, to to do as as it is to say, it's not easy to uh, to put to death or to forget our homeland of anger. Uh, it's not easy to to just all of a sudden learn a new language of compassion. It takes work. It's not something that's naturally going to happen. It, it That's one of the reasons that uh, Paul says, put on, you know, that it, there's, there's an effort involved in putting on compassion. It's not something that just naturally is going to spring up in us. Uh, it takes self-control, which is, thankfully, a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God gives us the ability to do. Well... We could talk about this all day long, but the show isn't that long. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, Next week, we're going to have a a great discussion about how to order our Advent. What kinds of things can we do to strengthen our spiritual lives as we uh, participate in the life of the church in the season of Advent? Don't forget to join us through the week over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Catholic Radio heard around the world on live streaming terrestrial radio and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.